Hey there, and welcome to Takeaway with Sam Okus, a podcast from Nation's Restaurant News. I am Sam Okus, Editor-in-Chief at Nation's Restaurant News, and this is the show where I give you an all-access pass to the restaurant industry's most influential decision makers. This week, I'm talking to Trevor Haynes. He is the president of Subway, the global sandwich franchise that recently unveiled its largest menu update in history, Eat Fresh Refresh. Trevor and I get into that menu update and how the corporate team is working with its franchisees to ensure their profitability. We also discuss the operational evolution of Subway through not only the pandemic, but also this Eat Fresh Refresh evolution and the ongoing store remodeling that Subway has been underway with for a couple of years now. Before I jump into that conversation with Trevor, though, I do want to tell you about some other ways you can connect with NRN and our award-winning content. Not only can you subscribe to our monthly print edition and daily AM newsletter at nrn.com slash subscribe, but you can also subscribe to NRN's other podcast, Extra Serving, where our editors discuss the hot-button issues of the day, and we share interviews with a wide variety of restaurant personalities. On our most recent episode, I join my colleagues Holly Petrie and Leanne Zinsmeister to discuss recent earnings reports from McDonald's, Starbucks, and others. Plus, we talk sports. That's right. We get into Jack in the Box's recent partnerships with its college jackleets. And of course, we end up on a tangent in which Leanne and I geek out over our shared love for Cleveland sports. If you're in Cleveland or if you love Cleveland sports like me, you're going to enjoy that. But you're going to enjoy that either way, even if you don't love Cleveland sports like we do. There is also an interview on that episode of Extra Serving between our very own Brett Thorne and Matt King, who is the chief culinary officer of PPX Hospitality Brands. You do not want to miss that interview. Go check out that episode and other episodes of Extra Serving wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, don't forget that you can be a part of our discussions at NRN via the Digital Create platform. All year long, we have been hosting live conversations with innovative food service leaders, which on November 16th is going to include sessions with Christine Barone, who is the CEO of True Food Kitchen, as well as Steph So. She is the head of the uh, head of digital experience at Shake Shack. Again, these are live conversations, so you can join and submit your questions to these leaders in real time, or you can catch the recorded interviews later on demand. All you have to do is go to create.nrn.com and register for free. Again, that's create.nrn.com. All right, I'm going to jump now into my interview with Subway President Trevor Haynes. Don't forget to stick around after the interview as I will share my four takeaways from this discussion, actionable insights that you can take with you on the go. I mean, you know, I can just dive in in terms of performance, right? So, you know, sure. overall, you know, we've seen a really good uptick um, across the course of this year. You know, when we, we sort of started off this year, the year and things looked very promising. And then along came the winter storms in February. And that was like a really tough time for everybody. Once we got on the other side of that, we've seen great momentum across, across our business. You know, I look at our top three quartiles, um, a top quartile, it's over 5,000 restaurants. We're seeing double-digit comps, you know, and all the way through. So, you mm-hmm. know, there's still some areas that struggle, you know, with the COVID, so I could say hangover, right? So, 
you know, there are campuses and things that still need to reopen. Manhattan is still a struggle. But yeah, but people are back and about and active. We're seeing some really great momentum in the business. And so you see that from a, you know, from a restaurant, you know, sales perspective, system sales perspective. We see it in the volume of food that we're serving. Certainly there was a transition and, and a switch across to a, uh, um, you know, guests actually buying more items. So I think they're shopping for larger groups and families much more than they were in the past. So we see a lot of that, that playing out. Um, the big, sorry, the eat fresh, refresh. Um, there's two great things, well, there's a number of great things that came out of that. First is that, you know, it really galvanized our franchisee base, right? So they they sort of were curious and they were cautious and they were and as, as we led into it, they became more and more optimistic with it. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, that was a multiple, you know, you look at the amount of food that we actually, in the touch points, et cetera, across the restaurant uh, itself that we touched, it was enormous. Um, from the bread formula to the proteins that we upgraded, the, um, the sauces and toppings and the bills, et cetera. Um, and we had those products into the, in the restaurants a good six weeks or so before the launch. So franchisees okay. were able to work with them and uh, experience them. And I think as they received the products, started to try the products, sample the products, they started to get very excited by it. And quite so it went from being sort of maybe, mm, what's this all going to be about? To then saying, actually, I, I can be very optimistic about this um, because I, I'm seeing that myself, my family, my friends, my staff, they're all like feeling very positive about the, the lineup that we have. So by the time we got to the actual media launch, um, you know, these, these items have been in restaurant for some time, the 20 new menu changes and the uh, franchisees were able to get right behind it. So I think that's where we saw a great success from sure. the launch of that, from that, that um, the Eat Fresh Refresh campaign. I keep seeing Steph Curry with his teeth, like, you know, his <laughs> tooth, like sparkling after you've seen that TV spot. But, um, mm-hmm. but you know, when, when we launched with that, it was just, you know, franchisees were right behind it. And I think that's been part of it. So they were, we gave them plenty of time to, to prep. We gave them a lot of information about the reasons to believe in this. And then, we, you know, when you think about the marketing, the weight that we had from the media perspective, it was enormous. And the campaign tie-ups that we had with like Steph Curry, Selena, Serena Williams, you know, um, Tom Brady, et cetera. So, you know, it was just a really powerful launch for us. And we've seen that continue. And the good thing about it is that, you know, it was a core menu that we were updating and evolving. So it's not like it's a product in and out, in and out, and the franchisees have to worry about wastage and whatnot. It was like, this is our core and we're going to make it better. Um, And so I think that's why, you know, franchisees got behind it, excited by it, and are continuing to get behind it. So... Sure. Yeah, I'm curious, you know, for for when we were, I mean, really the entire last 18 months, but especially in the first half of the pandemic, I think a lot of the change we saw in the industry was related to operations. It was more like, how are we getting food to customers? And so I'm interested for you guys to really come out with a big menu innovation step. What what was behind that decision? You you made operational changes too, obviously, but you decided to come out with a big menu innovation. I'm, de- I'm wondering in this season, why was that important? Well, the piece was, right, so if you look back at some, if some of these things we've been, you know, traditionally we've done limited time offers in and out of products, right, and we just, but when you sat back and you looked at our core proposition, I can say, you know, some of it had become stale, right? So some of the items were just not keeping up with what the consumer was expecting from the brand. You know, like for something like bread, right? So bread, you can't just turn on a new bread formula in a system of over 20,000 restaurants on a dime, right? That takes... Or it took, it, that takes like a year or so of, of, of actual 
work. So some of these things, if I back up, so bread, we started that um, at the beginning of 2019. So that 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 new formula was something we had or sort of we've been working through and we would have launched it um, back in the summer of 2020, except something got on top of us called COVID, right? So so that was a delay with that. But when you look at everything else, um, you know, we really sat back and said, what do we need to update here? What what is what is the insight? What data consumer feedback do we have? What are the gaps that we've got on our menu? So we really started to lean in on that and we had some things in the the hopper, you could say, that we've been working on prior to COVID, that sort of having shelves. And so we were able to pull some of those items together, plus some of the new products that we're able to introduce collectively and look at leaning into summer. And we thought, why not? Why wouldn't you do this now? Because it was like, you know, you see that the US started to reopen after the, you know, some of the COVID hangover was people becoming a little bit more optimistic about getting out and about. And we felt this is a perfect time to really get after a brand you know, you could say relaunch to an extent, a refresh um, and product refresh. And we won't stop doing this. This is going to be continuing, um, you know, as we, we go forward, continue to mm-hmm. update and evolve the core proposition throughout the subway, across the subway menu. So, you know, and I, I mentioned bread, for example, um, you know, we'll continue to involve that, those formulas and seasons and seasonal toppings and, and, you know, different carriers over time. So more will come with that, you know, other core proteins, other builds will continue to evolve that over time, sources and see, and toppings, et cetera. So it, it was, it wasn't, so was it, you, you asked like, why would you do it during, you know, the summer of 2021 when COVID had been around? It was like, well, why wouldn't we do it, right? It was, it felt <laughs> like it was a perfect time to reset the business and, and give the franchisees that that sort of focus, and you know, and opt, uh, hopefully give them optimism to the things that we're getting after. And they did; they really did. And you, if I, I go around to the different markets, you know, I've done a lot of market tours across the course of this year, and I have to say, every restaurant, and I was surprised by this, and don't take this the wrong way. I really thought that the merchandising they'd have a lot of trouble with. They wouldn't be able mm. to put it up. It would be lopsided. It would be upside down. Actually, they got that. Everyone got it right, and I was like. Wow, they really got engaged with this. They really got behind it, and um, and so the the POP has, has been put put up correctly. Everything has been what we would have hoped for. Yeah, there were some training wobbles, you could say, along the way with bread baking and stuff like that. But generally, um, they've executed extremely well at the restaurant level. It must be, I mean, you know, pardon the pun here, but I mean, it must be refreshing for the system to have something to be really excited about after the season that we went through. Oh, absolutely right, and that's a, that was yeah, another point is, is to give them you know a sense of hope, a sense of pride around the system, and um, a, a sense of you know let's get excited about this, let's engage with this. You think about where everyone had been from like March of 2020 through to you know the beginning of 2021. It had been a terrible, tough time for a lot of operators. Like at the very beginning of COVID, nobody knew what was happening. No one knew, right? Are we going to be locked down for a week, two weeks? And then this thing just went on and on. You know, every all retail restricted in, enormously. You like, I'm sure you know, you're like yourself. If you went to a supermarket, I was like, is there COVID here? Is there like what? What is yeah. all of this? You didn't know anything. So franchisees were very afraid, and rightfully so, during those initial dark months, you could say, of the spring um, back in 2020. But you know, we had to really show that we were. You're going to you know, bring new things into the system to help lead them out of that, that situation. 
Yeah, I mean, talking about franchisees, you you talked a little bit about how how big of a, a project this really is. I want to kind of home in on that a little bit because when we're talking about Subway, this is your twenty thousand plus restaurants, a hundred percent franchised. This is this is nothing to sneeze at as far as how many stakeholders you have here to really kind of take care of all their needs. So how do, how do you do that? It seems really complex to me. How do you solve that puzzle? Yeah, it is. I'm glad you mentioned that. It's a very complex um, system. It's a monster of a system. So, no, I've been here a long time, and but I get other other folks that have joined recently. They'll say to me, you know, they may have worked for Duncan or BK or other brands, right? They'll say, you know, I never realised how big this system is or was, right? Before I joined, I thought it was like, you know, Duncan. It's going to be similar. I said, I just never realised how big it is and how complex it is. Not only do you have the franchisor, you have the franchisee base, we have the BD base, and we have the IPC, which is our supply chain. So you have all of the stakeholders you really have to unite around you know, a, a common goal and common vision. And um, and it's no, it's no easy, it's no, it's it's many times a very difficult and challenging task. You have to, like you think about the number of franchisees, how do you communicate with them effectively? Like everyone's hyper distracted today with so many things going on. Yeah. It's it's a challenge yeah. just to get to all the franchisees. So, you know, that's that you have to keep repeating yourself, repeating yourself, repeating yourself across as many different touch points as you possibly can get to. Um, and it's never done. You've got to keep you've got to keep going on and on about the same couple of core principles, you know, around the, the restaurant operation. That is, you know, you know, looking at the insight, this is what it's telling us that the guest is looking for, forming the plan to get after that, informing the franchisees what their role is, what our role is, and, and really engaging with them so they understand all of the steps along the way. You know, we hold from you know, whether we've got webinars or conference calls or uh, the portal that they can access or phone a friend or whatever it may be, you know, we're, we're constantly trying to you know, bring the message to the front line uh, so that the franchisees are informed and they understand what, what's going on. So... You talk about um, the customers and what customers want, and um, you've mentioned too this uh, marketing campaign where you have Steph Curry, Serena Williams, and Tom Brady. I, I mean, I don't know if I, I can't think of any other marketing campaign with that kind of star power. I mean, this is just incredible to get three of the biggest athletes in the world on the same campaign, and obviously that's attention getting. But you know, you think about the consumers and their needs in the pandemic. You know, and how they're on their phones, they're participating in the virtual marketplace more than ever. I'm just curious how, how how what is that challenge in getting the attention of the customer and then how can eat fresh refresh grab that attention and make sure you're securing their brand loyalty yeah i mean the whole piece you know we've been leaning into digital i mean and the whole if you go back with you know summer of 2020 or the spring of 2020 with covid etc you know so we, everyone went heavily into digital because you know your restaurants were open to dine in you could you could only collect it at the door you could have curbside, you know, so we really have gone after digital in a very large way and we will continue to drive that. Consumers want that accessibility. They want to be able to just order, you know, food from any 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 place, anytime, anywhere. And they want it delivered to them or they want to be able to pick it up in the way that, that it suits them. We um, we spent so much time in terms of just standing up our delivery channel, our own chat, like our own channel delivery, curbside. Uh, pick up at restaurants, so really lean into digital. We learned a heck of a lot over that that course of um, you know the pandemic, as many brands did. I mean, I think it fast tracked decisions at a rapid pace. 
You just had to try things at a rapid pace, quickly test and learn and get after that. So, we, yeah, digital is something we've, I think, really um, we've learned a lot about. We continue to learn about a lot about. We've evolved our app and we've really got after the accessibility point for the brand. You know, Subway had built out 20,000 plus restaurants. We were accessible in the old world, right? Very accessible. Mm-hmm. But in today's world, you have, to be, you have to have a strong digital presence. You have to be able to execute effectively um, at the restaurant level to fulfill those digital requests um, so that they can, you know, the guests will continue to come back to you and they trust you. And I think that when you look at the pandemic, the tr- older, more legacy brands like Subway and other QSR, et cetera, are really, they are trusted brands, right? They've been around a heck of a long time. They have systems, they have processes, they have standards. And I really saw, I, I believe, a strong return or a strong rethink from the consumer back to those legacy brands. Because, you know, when the, with the pandemic happening, you just had to look at where would I put my my trust or my faith, right? Do I Would I go to a Subway or another QSR brand? versus the local shop that's down the street. I don't know what standards they've got, right? So um, I think that you, we saw a lot, a long, a, quite a swing back to those legacy brands that are trusted and well-known during that time. Yeah, you know, and speaking of that too, I think about Subway's reputation. Uh, you, you guys have always won uh, the you know consumer favorite for health and having um, you know kind of that halo effect of you know having fresh food, and people are going to choose you over the burger chains, the chicken chains, and and uh, etc. because of the health decision. But you know what we saw in the pandemic was the boom in pizza and chicken wings, right? We saw comfort food really take off. I guess I'm just wondering how the eat fresh refresh did. Were, were some of those things in mind as you launched this thing that you were dealing with a lot of like that rise in comfort food and easily delivered food? Well, absolutely easily delivered food. And our food delivers extremely well, right? It's It holds together well. I don't know if you ever had like French fries delivered. They don't hold up that well. And I'm not right. giving a hit on the other brands. But but um, our food does hold up extremely well. So I think it's a natural fit for us to be able to run with delivery. Uh, when you look at comfort food, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that, you know, people were on their couch and they were ordering, you know, what can I have for a meal tonight? So you did see spikes in those other items that you just mentioned. But we also saw, you know, our volumes pick up dramatically throughout digital channels as well. So, and after a while, when you are sitting on the couch and then you think I have to go back to the office and then you start putting on clothes that don't fit anymore, you start (laughs) thinking, well, maybe I need to back off on the pizza and the chicken wings. What options are out there? Healthier options, better for your options. Subway fits into that market, you know, that offering very well. I mean, you can you can have like a very low calorie turkey sandwich from Subway, under 400 calories, et cetera. Or you can dial it up and have, you know, triple cheese and everything on there. So I think we can play both in both areas from a healthy, low, you know, sort of low fat, low carbs, et cetera, sort of offering through to the more indulgent sort of items as well. And when you see the products that we launched with, like the turkey, um, the Cali Fresh, et cetera, yeah, that, that is bacon and it's got mozzarella and it's got cheese, everything on it. So it was a little bit of a loaded up sandwich to really hit that sort of, um, you know, in more indulgent sort of, uh, you know, meal offering. But on the other hand, we sell a, a heck of a lot of just turkey sandwiches that, yep. that, that are really just basic, you know, everyday sort of meal offerings that people are looking for. So. So speaking too of Subway's reputation, there's always been this kind of joke that you could put a Subway anywhere. I mean, wasn't there, a, I mean, at one point that you were on a construction site uh, in New York, I, I'm trying to remember, there were all these crazy places you'd put a Subway. 
Yeah, at, we, we'd be on construction sites going up and down in the right. container, right? And rebuilding right. of the where 9-11 was, uh, occurred. So that That's was right. that was subway was there because the, the actual construction workers only had so much time for to, to eat, right? And now yep. way up in a building, the time they got to the ground and got to the subway, the, the time was out. So subway was in a container going up and down, and, and that's how they they served the the guys working there. So, but we look, we we have said internally we've been running with that as well. We could fit anywhere, like it fit in a small closet versus you know, right. whatever. And we we have we have a very flexible footprint. We have a very adaptable and flexible meal offering, and um, and you see, you know, just how we're able to lock in and, and and operate from a college campus to a military base to an office tower, you know, to a sea store somewhere, a gas station. Um, you know, we are, yeah, we're able to fit. We're able to operate. We're able to, and we we are. And the the you know, the guest slash consumer base responds to that. So I guess I'm wondering where that where that's landed in the last eighteen months because a lot of our conversation about the industry has been you think about virtual brands, ghost kitchens, and things like that. You've really redefined the definition of a restaurant. Is that going to be true for Subway too? Yes and no. You know, I think you look at that the public today is traveling enormously. Right, they're on the road. Um, and you know, and they're on the road. They're looking for where can I stop? Where can I go? So I think there's 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 both elements here that will play out. There'll be probably certain markets may lean more just more naturally to more of a virtual delivery type model, like large urban centres, Manhattan, for example. Like that's you would see more prevalence, I think, of ghost kitchens, etc., brands coming together with working as with ghost kitchens and running delivery. But when you look at the wider U.S. landscape, the U.S. is generally not like that. You know, there's there are a lot there's a lot of sort of more smaller towns, smaller cities, rural areas, and yes, they want the digital experience. But it needs to. Where does it come from? It comes from you know one of the local restaurants that are, that is located physically there. So I, I think there is there is a place for both, um, and that it will help to build the base um, of rest, the restaurant base that we have today, and and increase performance at the restaurant level. But you know, I don't see that necessarily. We will be, you know, um, you know, that we will kill off the restaurant, so to speak. There may be certain markets where it's just much more of an urban concentration that it lends itself to. But the U.S. is generally that when you go across it, it's just generally not like not like that. It's vast and spread out. Yeah, I know. I know Subway had experienced or had experimented with drive-through. There are several with drive-throughs in the past. Has this season changed your approach to drive-through or the off-premises model at all? No, well, we're, we're absolutely wanting to continue to build out drive-throughs. We see that as a as a key component of the restaurant of the future, the experience of the future. You know, we've got a you know thousand plus restaurants with drive-throughs, uh, actually more than fifteen hundred or so. That we need to continue to build that portfolio because yeah, the 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 guest is looking for that. That's just another form of making it easy. Now, it could be drive-through where I, I go and place the order and you know traditional drive-through, or it could be it's I'm going to pick it up, right? So I ordered on the app and I'm actually going down to the restaurant. I can pick it up or collect it from the window. Um, so I think you'll see your know, drive-to a lot more as well. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. And and this gets back to the franchisees, right? Because the franchisees do are doing this development, they're site selecting all of that. So how are you working with franchisees to to pursue growth, to to continue expansion and and really refresh not just the menu but also the outward appearance of Subway and the footprint of a Subway? Yeah, well, it's a number of things. One is that we've got a massive remodel program underway. 
and um, as long as we can only get um, items unloaded in, in LA to be shipped into the supply chain, it would make it go faster. But, right. Um, right. Yeah, that's a that's a bottleneck and challenge in itself. But um, yeah, we've got a massive program to remodel. You know, thousands of restaurants across the US. Franchisees have signed up for it. There was a grant program that was made available that we um, the company's put in you know, support to help franchisees. So that's underway, and that will reset the um, the physical space itself. You saw it, the Fresh Ford restaurants, right? We, yep. we met there, so a lot more of those to come. Um, and then but the other piece is that when we're, we're working with franchisees very much on trade area or market area optimization. So looking very closely at where are we located today? Is this still the right trade area? So 20 or 30 years ago, it could have been the trade area. Um, but, you know, a lot of things happened over 20, 30 years and, and things have changed. So are we still in the right location or do we need to relocate? Do we have the right facility? Do we have the right format? So every lease deal that we've got coming up, we're looking at this with the franchisees. We're encouraging them to actively pursue, you know, their, their market that they're in. And we're also using tools, et cetera, that we have here to go through and understand, is this the best possible um, location, the best possible format, et cetera, for the brand, or do we need to move it somewhere else? Or reconfigure it, right? So it could be that you know I'm in a I'm in a I'm in a strip, but there's an end cap. I need to get from the middle to the end cap, and then can I get a drive-through put on there, or a, or a or a collection window, or something like that? So we're working through that with the with the franchisee base extensively. We you know we see franchisees are having great success with um, relocations and re and once they're relocated, where they've added more facility, like as I mm. said, more seating, um, or you know drive-through or pickup window. We certainly see there's See, we certainly see that there is good success with that. Now, you've really got to pay attention to the market to ensure you've got yourself into the right type of location. You know, in some areas, it's just easier to do than others, right? So in this part of the country, it's it's difficult to find land to put a drive-through. Very, very difficult, right? Yep. But out in Indiana, there's plenty of space out there. True. And yep. there's plenty of space to open drive-throughs, et cetera, and it's a lower cost to do it, so... You mentioned supply chain, the difficulty of supply chain right now. I also have to ask about labor because labor is on everybody's minds right now. And I want to ask it specifically around the eat fresh, refresh, because I mean, you know, restaurants are becoming, I don't want to say super complicated because you're always working to make sure that it's not overly complicated, but there's a lot of, you know, backend things, technologies you're adding that can be complex. So as you, as you do a menu refresh, like eat fresh, refresh, how do you make sure that this doesn't become overly complex, particularly for your teams, which right now is is a real challenge to hire? Yeah, no, so uh, you're right. It is, a, it is an absolute challenge to hire. We continue to look at how we can support the digital sort of campaigns to drive awareness that we're looking and seeking to, to bring people into the organization to work in the restaurants. But you look, everything we do with Eat Fresh, Refresh, we're very careful about what le the level of complexity that it brought to the restaurant. Is this, we're, we, so, so what we did with that whole program from very much from the onset, we had franchisees engaged. We had, we called, we had, um, we had a group of brand ambassadors that were like a panel of franchisees from across the country that looked at everything that we did and provided comment. Were they, were they concerned about the complexity? Were they, did they like this? Did they not like this? What was their opinion? So we did, we had extensive calls and face-to-face -face meetings as well to work through that. We also put all of the, uh, the products that we were seeking and all of the merchandising that we we're going to potentially launch with into restaurants. So we started with, I think it was about 25 restaurants in Rhode Island, Connecticut area. And we put that in um, and we learned pretty quickly about 
what what may fly and what may not fly, right? So we learn to adapt things with the product. We learn to adapt train um, manuals and guides, um, the merchandising, you know, materials we put up in the restaurants. We learn what was going to work and what we just needed to get out of there, right? So um, the franchisees, and we expanded that. We were also from those, that initial market, we went out to Arizona, then we went out to I think, Oregon, maybe South Carolina, if I'm remembering correctly. We, we went to a lot of markets and rolled um, so initial products in, tested the operations, tested the messaging, tested the training, continue to gather, gather, gather feedback, iterate, iterate, iterate. So at the time it got to the general population for the rollout, it had been a lot of the bumps had been smoothed out, et cetera, with it. So that was a really great way. And, and when we were, had calls with franchisees and were presenting certain things to the franchisee base, they'd say, well, who, where have you tested this? And who's looked at this? And we're like, well, let's talk to Alex. Alex, come on mm. and let's talk about what you've done in your restaurant and how you've experienced. And then the franchisee would talk to the other franchisees and it's sort of like got everyone to go, okay, the brand's really looking out for us here. The brand's really trying to get this stood up in a great way and really trying to take care of all of the touch points to make this as simple and easy as possible. I think, you know, we'll say things have, you know, maybe in, within the subway system, yeah, things have become more complex. But compared to other other QSR, we are, we are much simpler operations to operate and manage. So broadly speaking, have you had to adapt the uh, labor model for Subway and the and your your teams and cultures? How have you had to adapt to this season? Yeah, it's t- I mean particularly also you one thing you've had to adapt quickly to is the integration of digital at a larger you know portion of your business. So you know, and some of that was bumpy at the start in terms of order accuracy or orders not. So you know, when we we saw this spike in digital orders come through. You know, people had to scramble and some of the issues we had earlier on, as many brands have had, order wasn't made on time, order wasn't accurate. So we spent a lot of time trying to simplify um, the receipts that the franchisees would receive at the restaurant so that it was easy for the staff to follow, easy for them to read. Um, we spent, so on the back end, we did a lot from the technology perspective to just simplify that, so that franchisees and their restaurant teams could actually complete the order and they didn't have to search for things and just to make it easier. For the On the front end, from the, the guest perspective, we have worked extensively on the app to simplify the ordering process. Like there were things that we thought were very obvious to us, but to the, the guest it was not. Toasted. They, they couldn't work out how to toast the sandwich. And so often you'd find they'd come and say, I want it toasted, but it's like it didn't, it wasn't, it didn't come out that way. They thought they clicked it, but they hadn't. So we took a lot of that learning, the guest feedback as well. So we tried both ways, both sides, right? What were the guests telling us? How to make it better? What was what was the restaurant team telling us? How do we make it better? How did mm-hmm. digital help to enable that? So yeah. So I know that eat fresh, refresh proved to be very successful. You guys were able to really recapture sales momentum. And, you know, I, I assume you're just going to slam on the accelerator coming out of the pandemic. So tell me, how, how does Subway build off this momentum now that you've built with eFresh Refresh? It's not a one and done, right? This is a multi-year stage journey around what we need to do from, from at the restaurant level for the you know the guest perspective and our and our franchisees and their teams. So yeah, it's the beginning of multiple stages. So there there is more we've got a new every sort of couple of windows, there is new 
um, you know, flavors coming out. There's, a, you know, but we're looking at the core products we've got in, um, and you know, new builds coming out. And there'll be some things that come out that maybe the consumer won't see, right? It'll be more at the back end of the restaurant in terms of how we produce the bread in the restaurants, right? So some of that might be, you know, we may take operational steps out of that to make it easier for the franchisee, but you as a, a guest wouldn't see it, right? You would say, mm-hmm. okay, it's baked in the restaurant, I always know. Yet we're able to, through the supply chain, you know, just simplify the operation for the franchisee. So there'll be more front-leaning or guest-facing, and there'll also be back-end operational sort of changes made as well. But the core menu, that's what it's so much of what this is about. You know, the proteins, the cheeses, the builds, um, you know, and, and the sauce, et cetera, that we offer, you know, dialing up new flavors, updating flavors, um, you know, offerings, et cetera. You know, I think some of it was as to what we had was, you know, it was good once, it was okay, but it just, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't capturing the, what the consumer was looking for today necessarily. I mean, people still like mayonnaise. I'm not saying we're taking away mayonnaise, <laughs> but there are other things that you need to add to a bit of flavor and heat and spice that, that, that everyone's looking for more so. Yeah. Well, and, and last question for you, Trevor, and, you know, just kind of summarizing what I feel like we've talked about here is it feels like I've spent a lot of time in the last year and a half talking to people about how much they want to reinvent the restaurant based on what we've all experienced in this past in the season. But what I'm hearing from you is like you guys, you don't see a lot of reinvention necessary. It is a refresh. And so as you think about that, what, what do you foresee for the subway of the future and what you've learned out of this season? Yeah, so it's I, I do see it's a refresh, but and don't get me wrong, I see more digital, a heck of a lot more digital in terms of transactions. I, people want more convenience, so that's you know drive-throughs or drive-to or pickup, people and or de, you know delivery. So pe- everyone, folk are looking for that, right? Mm-hmm. You have to be in that to win it. Um, you know, restaurants need to be updated, re-imaged so that they're bright and appealing for the guests that when they're, you know, they're coming in. Um, you know, so that, that's critical. And we've got to continue to evolve our food offering. We've got to continue to bring in those new flavors and fillings. But we want to do it in such a way that it's more of a part of the everyday business as opposed to in and out, in and out, in and out. I, that's, that's really tiring and taxing on the, the restaurant. But the consumer also gets, I think, annoyed over time where, well, it was there, now it's not there, then it might be there. So, you know, I think you've just got to remain consistent from that perspective. But, you know, the, the Eat Fresh Refresh, very much, it taught us a lot around, you know, that um, that the, the guest wants to respond to the core offering. It likes to see the core offering updated, but still wants to be able to pick and choose. Um, you know, that customization piece is, is, still, is still key. Uh, you know, we may do things regarding the layout of our restaurant in terms of the way that the food's displayed more so over time, um, or, or we may not. We, we, there's things that we're working through, but what I will say is this, that digital is a key component and accessibility through digital channels is a must, and you, we've got to lean into that in a big, big way um, you know, to be competitive in the market that, that, that we operate in today. But sure. on the other side of it, Good food, taste fresh, keep it clean, keep it simple uh, at the end of it. And, you know, good value for money is what Subway's always stood for. It still stands for and it will stand for. Yeah, that's great. Trevor Haynes of uh, Subway, I appreciate your time today. This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sam. It was great catching up with you. That was my interview with Trevor Haynes, the president of Subway. So what should you learn from this interview? Here are my four takeaways. 
My first takeaway is that major new initiatives are a great way to excite not just your customer base, but also your franchisees and your store operators. Subway has touted Eat Fresh Refresh as its biggest menu update in the brand's history, which, along with its commercials featuring Tom Brady, Serena Williams, and Steph Curry, is clearly a great marketing plug. But it also came at a time when the system needed hope, it needed something exciting to rally around after months of slogging through the pandemic. Eat Fresh Refresh gave a jolt to the subway system, building momentum that the company hopes can light a fire under operators as they claw back to pre-pandemic sales numbers and beyond. My second takeaway is that you do not have to start from scratch when you're looking to rejuvenate your brand. Trevor pointed out that Eat Fresh Refresh was all about updating Subway's core menu, not reinventing the wheel. You know, of course, in the Subway system, even updating the core menu took years to plan and roll out, but it would have been an operational nightmare if it included significant changes to the core menu, preparation methods, or kitchen layout. In some ways, you can see this almost as like a fresh coat of paint, which is a good reminder that new and exciting initiatives do not have to be major disruptors to your operation. My third takeaway is this. The bigger you get, the more important is consistency in your messaging and values. Subway has more than 20,000 units in the United States alone, and it's 100% franchised. This is the classic example of steering the cruise ship. And Trevor noted that ensuring that the thousands of franchisees were all squared away with the eat fresh, refresh changes required that the corporate team repeat its messaging over and over again, detailing the plan, the operator's role in it, and how it points back to the company's core values. If you're a growing concept, consider your core values and how you're hammering those values home again and again in your everyday operation and in your messaging to your team. My fourth and final takeaway is that especially today, legacy brands should conduct market optimization that ensures their units are best positioned to thrive in today's consumer marketplace. So in other words, are your restaurants exactly where they need to be to capitalize on consumer behavior? That market optimization might require relocating your restaurants so that you're in a more visible location or perhaps so that you can take advantage of an in-cap or drive-through footprint, which is exactly what Subway is helping its operators do today as it seeks to further elevate its brand in the communities it serves. Those are all my takeaways for today. I hope you enjoy this episode. Please remember to subscribe to Takeaway wherever you listen to podcasts and leave your feedback. You can also email me at sam.okis at informa.com. Thanks again and talk to you next week.